0: This is the Yob ConvoCast, one-on-one conversations with your other brother's authors, community members, supporters, and friends.
1: What's up, friends, and welcome back to the Yob ConvoCast Enneagram Edition, as we are starting to build some traction. We're starting to get some mileage out of this series as we continue our dial around the Enneagram. Uh, we're entering a fun new frontier, let's say. It's very fun. It's very emotional. So everybody strap in. We've got an emotional few episodes ahead as we enter into the heart triad. These are the biggest hearted people. Not that anyone outside of the heart triad is heartless, but these are especially beautiful people because I They just are. They're amazing. And today, we're kicking off the heart triad, the twos, threes, and the fours, with an Enneagram 2. And he's somebody who's been in our community for a good while now. He's been involved for a good while. And I'm so glad. It's always fun. Just on the heels of introducing Jesse in our last episode as a 1. Today, we get to introduce someone else to the greater listening audience. And he identifies as a 2. And his name is... Wes. What's up, Wes?
0: I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here, Tom. It's great.
1: It's so great. I'm excited too. Wes, how long have you been a part of YAB now? it Has been it been a few years, a couple years?
0: I hate when people ask me that question because I can never remember.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, I should have asked you for your anniversary date.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, but if my memory serves me correctly, because a lot has happened since then, Uh, but I discovered Yab probably in either late 2017 or early 2018. And um, I had just been a lurker on the Yabalog for the longest time and just reading blog posts. And um, it it was just incredible to me how much I resonated with so many thoughtful comments uh, there on the Yab blog. And um, it was just a wonderful realization. Wow, there's other people out there that are just like me. And um, so after lurking for a good long while, I finally decided to join Patreon. I said, this is something I can definitely devote part of my life to. This this is something special. And so I've been part of this amazing community ever since then. And I've never looked back.
1: You never looked back. You were forbidden from looking back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> i so... I'm so glad. We always love it when our lurkers come out. Hashtag lurker no longer. That's what we like to say around here. Um, and now you're getting to share on a podcast production. I Isn't that amazing that you get to share some of yourself on a very special Enneagram edition of the ConvoCast, no less?
0: I never thought I'd be on a podcast like this, much less a podcast at all. So this is uh, this is groundbreaking for me, definitely.
1: First podcast, huh? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun times. Well, let's let's not waste too much time, Wes, because you know we've. Like I predicted in our last episode, we got so much feedback because there's so many twos in our community and the nature of a two, the giver, the helper, they want to contribute, they want to matter, they want to do something. And so um so by far the most feedback we've gotten out of any of our episodes we've done so far. I'm curious if that number will hold up, you know, something like 6 or 7 people reaching out um in the last the last week or two of of us asking for feedback. So I'll see, we'll see if uh the twos hold the championship as far as people contributing by the time we get all the way around the end of the Enneagram. So that's my prediction anyways, that twos will win, will win that competition, but we'll see.
0: Hey, if anyone's going to come out of the woodwork, it's going to be twos. We're like termites. You can never really (laughs) truly get rid of us. You just have to keep feeding us.
1: (laughs) The only, the only other one, the only other one that I think could challenge the two is the four, but we have a lot of fours in our community, but I, it could go either way. Either the fours are so excited to share their unique perspective or they're going to retreat within themselves and just not, they're not going to contribute because that's beneath them. So we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get to four in just a couple of weeks. But um, before we get started, anything about yourself to, to give the listeners, because you've been involved in our community for you know, just like you said, for a couple of years now, um, for people that don't know who you are, what, who, what makes you Wes? Like other than your, your 2 which we'll have the whole hour ahead to talk about, um, what else, what else makes up the person, the man before me that is Wes?
0: Well, I always start off by telling people who are meeting me for the first time. I am definitely a storyteller at heart. I, I always say that Walt Disney is one of my biggest inspirations ever. Um, and I just I just enjoy what happens uh, in a person's heart when a good story is told, mm-hmm. um, and so I like to devote a lot of my life to uh, just making sure that spaces for those stories are provided uh, to be told. Um, but right now, as a way to pay my bills, uh, I am a high school teacher. I'm currently teaching uh, algebra two, and uh, so I'm putting those. Rare math skills to use. Um, And since it obviously pays the most out of all the other subjects, you know, the the extra stipend is nothing to shake a stick at either. Um, And so I've been doing that for the past three years, um, all while living here in what we call the beautiful mountain of Texas, because (laughs) Beaumont. Literally means beautiful mountain. And it is the biggest oxymoron because it is one of the flattest places in the southern United States right here on the Gulf Coast.
1: (laughs) Wow. You know how I love in my podcast intros to give the geographic location a fun nickname. So from the beautiful mountain of Texas. That is that's very poetic. I like that.
0: Yes. So I've just been teaching the past three years on top of staying involved in my local community theater. I am a huge theater nerd, have been ever since high school. And uh, we just wrapped up our uh, musical production of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the classic uh, 1968 film starring Nick Van Dyke and Sally Ann Howes. Um, And I got the pleasure of portraying Baron Bomburst, and anyone who knows this movie knows how over the top and high energy and you know prone to tantrums he is. So he is pretty much every character trait in me personified to the extreme. Um, and so I I enjoyed playing him so very much. Um, so that's that's how I spend my extra time out, outside of school. Um, as well as staying involved with my local church um, here in Beaumont. Uh, I'm a regular worship leader uh, for them. And so I always say the worship leaders have the best seat in the house up there from the pulpit. So um, and since we all sing a cappella in four-part harmony. You know, I get the pleasure of having all those voices directed right at me. So that is definitely the highlight of my Sundays.
1: Wow, that's such a great summation of everything, and you represent so much in our community—a um, love for theater that's definitely present in our community. And educators, I think I haven't done I haven't crunched the numbers, but I think educators are the most common profession that I have I have found in our community. Between that and like programmers or engineers, like there's something going on in that world as well um, in our community. So, so I'm hoping that you know, people will be able to resonate with some of your story and from where you're coming from just based on on what you just shared. Um, We're going to talk about being an Enneagram 2 today. And right off the bat, as always, I want to preface this conversation by saying the Enneagram is a wonderful tool. It is one of many in the toolbox um, that we like to dive into for personal growth, for self-awareness, for building empathy, um, these are all amazing byproducts that I have found through studying the Enneagram and learning about it and ultimately sharing stories. Um, I love how you touched on just your love for for story. And obviously, hopefully that's that's something that drew you to our community in the first place is that's something that we really value here. And so that's just an awesome opportunity through this Enneagram combo cast series um, to share stories just in another through another lens. And I find it super illuminating, super fascinating to process it through the lens of sexuality and masculinity, it's been so fun to see how similar we all are and, but how we all approach different things slightly differently. Um, And so I'm excited to learn. My goal through all of these episodes is to shut up as much as possible and listen to either my guests or the feedback that we get, because as I mentioned at the top, we got a lot of feedback. So we're gonna try to read as much of it as possible. Thank you, Yobbers, for taking the time. Not only did we get a lot of feedback um, from numbers of people, but also the longest feedback, like people really taking their time to write a story. <laughs> so um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to read as much as I can as, as time allows, but um, but that is um, coming in this episode on the Enneagram too. Um, information from this episode comes from truity.com um, where you can take their Enneagram assessment. The link will be in the show notes. And then we also borrowed some information from enneagramgifts.com about stress and security. So you know the giving aspect of of this of this type immediately brings to mind. I'm smiling so wide right now because it brings to mind. I don't know if you were there for this, if you if you witnessed it, but um, we had a retreat last year, which you attended. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were at a camp, and when we woke up one morning, it had either rained the night before or it was just super dewy out or something. But like all the chairs that we ate at outside were all soaked; they were all wet. Um, and so I went to the camp staff and I was like, do you have any towels or rags or things that we can use to dry off all of the all of the chairs that are outside? Um, and so they brought me like a big bucket of towels. Um, and somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody made the joke, we need an Enneagram 2 to help. And all of and, like. I didn't even have to turn around. Like As soon as I looked towards the voice, there was already a beloved two in our midst, reaching for the bucket, reaching for the rags, and saying, I'm already on it, and he was starting to... (laughs) <laughs> to wire and I was just like, this is amazing because he just, this is just how he's naturally wired that he just wants to help. He just wants to give. Um, and obviously we had other people helping and it wasn't just, we didn't just let him be the only person to clean. But um, but that just to me was such a snapshot of that giver moniker because he was like springing into action, was looking for that opportunity to contribute and he, he did. And so that's just the beautiful part about being a two. And I'm so grateful for um, all the twos in our community. It's it's quite a it's there's quite a plethora. Um, I wanted to read the stats for those that forgot. Uh, but in Truity's study, because Truity has done a study on um, 54,000 people who come to their site and fill out surveys and things. And that's been interesting to kind of get sort of a framework for how many, how many of them are out there um, in the world, in the universe. Um, and so in their study of 54,000 respondents, type twos were found to make up approximately 11% of the population. What's fascinating is they broke it down into male and female, and women are more likely to be type twos with 15% being women and just 7% being men, which tracks for me. Wow. That makes sense. It's, I think, to not to, like, say that twos are effeminate, that is not what I'm saying, but it typically brings to mind the, like Martha from the Bible, or it's like the good, the good housewife who will drop everything she's doing and make sure everyone else is fed like that common, um, stereotype. Like they'll make sure her husband or her children are fed or the house is clean before she takes care of herself. And there's some truth to that. That's not to say all housewives, especially all Christian housewives or twos, but, um, but that is, that is, a stereotype, so there's some truth in that for some mm-hmm. for some housewives, I'm sure. But but that's just really interesting that it tilts more fe- more female in the Truity study, and then in our community, going back to our Enneagram Yobcast, um, it was revealed that it's it's either the number one most represented or the number two most represented type in our community. Something like 22 to 23 percent of people who have responded on Facebook and Discord identify as a two, which is very high. So it seems to be much higher than the general population and much, much higher than the male general male population is what I've found, which is interesting. I find that among the most interesting, if not the most interesting, stat in all of the the stats that I'm reading off for these nine for these nine types.
0: It is very interesting, uh, especially considering we have a lot of yobbers, myself included that have mentioned being able to resonate and connect with the females in their life, as opposed uh, to the males. Mm. They just had a lot more female influencers um, through, throughout adolescence and their uh, young adulthood. Um, and they were just able to meet the needs of their relationships with the, fe- uh, with the females in their lives uh, much more quickly and uh, in a much more meaningful way than, uh, than they were the males. So I think there's definitely a, a correlation there. Um, I remember just uh, always hanging out with the girls throughout elementary and middle school. I maybe had one or two you know, guys that I would talk to every once in a while, but mostly it was you know, sitting at the lunch table, hey, trade you this for this. You know, it wasn't anything, uh, anything meaningful, but I could have meaningful uh, conversations with the girls. So yes, I see the, I can see the correlation there easily.
1: Yeah. A lot of similar wirings just in, um, in those personalities. Um, here's what a two are. I know that we haven't actually defined it yet, but here's how Truity defines the twos and I'll read the motivations of the two. And then Wes, you can chime in with how that fits with you or how that squares with your sexuality, with your gender identity, with how you connect with other men. Um, Twos are defined by their desire to belong and to be loved by others. They are helpful, nurturing, and caring towards others. They are eager to involve themselves in others' lives. I hear a theme. There's a lot of others here. Mm -hmm. Twos rarely say no when others ask them for help and want to prove value to others by always being there for them. The two's core motivation is to feel loved and appreciated, which motivates them to express love toward others in their words and their actions. Does it sound pretty accurate to you? Does it sound familiar?
0: All of the above. Um, But I think more so than being loved and appreciated, which is still super important to us, we really want to feel like we belong somewhere. And depending on our instinct, I know we're not going in depth into the instincts today, but um, if we don't feel we belong with a particular group or in a particular setting, uh, I've noticed this trend among us twos in my life specifically, you know, either one, I'm not going to invest in those relationships and just, you know, keep things at a either acquaintance or professional level, depending on the the context Uh, or two, I'm going to be purposely pushy in an attempt to belong there. Um, And so that's why I would say um, that if we don't feel we belong, um, that's, that's going to hit us straight in the heart. Um, Although being loved and appreciated is certainly um, wrapped into there.
1: Yeah. Thanks for highlighting that, that sense of belonging, because I know um, as, as is the case with all of these conversations we're having, that's not like you only have to be a two to have this strong desire to belong, but, but it is helpful to illuminate that aspect of being a two in particular. That is a very important aspect of finding a community of finding a place to contribute and to give,
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: to, to feel that sense of belonging in return. Like that's, that's super, super interesting to Um, to hear and connect with my own, with my own story as someone who is in it too. Um, Let me read some feedback because like I said, we've got a lot. And so if I say anything, if I read a story that triggers a thought or, or an amen Um, You can feel free to chime in with that, Wes, but here's what one person had to say about motivations. I only discovered the Enneagram two years ago and it blew my mind. At first, I completely disagreed with the core motivator that I give love in order to receive love. My entire life has been focused on loving and providing for others' needs in a true, deep, and connected way. I saw this in school, in theater, in marriage, and in friendships. The more a person is in need, the more I show up. And by showing up, I thought I was filling my cup. I truly didn't believe I was craving something in return. Self-care was extremely rare for the last four decades of my life. I believed that by caring for others and having very little boundaries, that I was caring for self. For many years, there was one part of my cup that was never filled, being loved and known by a man. And then a few years ago, it happened. Then it was lost. I've since grown to know that my validation and worth does not need to come from a man loving me, but it's a weekly battle to stand firm in that when I find myself missing that deep connection and love. You see what I was saying at the top about people really dove deep. <laughs> That's no shade to the other types who have contributed feedback in previous episodes, but <laughs> this is the foreshadowing to come because all the comments were like that. They were just like mm-hmm. um, super profound. I'm sure he probably, he could probably just write a blog about um, his experience with with loving Um, being a two and loving a man or wanting the love of a man, which I think is a unique aspect of our conversation for, for our community.
0: We, uh, we love laying it all out there, Tom. I mean, we're not going Mm. to beat around the bush. We're not going to cut corners. Anything we do is done full blast. Uh, and there's no way to dial it down. So I completely resonate with a lot of what, um, this yabber said, um, especially the, uh, love from another man being found and then being lost. But I went through the exact same thing, uh, just a couple of years ago with my former best friend. It it is a story that, um, is central to the development of my sexuality and my understanding of, uh, intimate male friendship and how it works. Um, but you know, long story short, um, another two enters his life. This two becomes his fiance and then finally his wife. And, you know, she is happens to be very unhealthy and becomes very demanding, controlling and manipulative of his time and his resources. And eventually convinces him that I am the problem in our friend circle. And that, and I could tell there was just so much jealousy there. And, uh, she just didn't want me taking up any of his time. Um, in her mind, the idea of marriage meant that he was uh, had to take care of every single last one of her knees first before he could even touch his other relationships. And I was trying to convince her that that is clearly not what scripture teaches at all and that that is very not healthy for him. And that is idolatry, at him. So um, you know, but she ended up convincing him that she was right, and he, uh, well, long story, another long story short, he uninvited me from his wedding over text message. I was supposed to be his one of his groomsmen. So I had to experience losing the most intimate friend I had ever had in my life, who was a man, promptly throw me in the ditch. In one text message, he had successfully communicated to me that I was the Holy Trinity, unloved, unvalued, and didn't belong. And so a two has no option when that happens other than a downward spiral. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly what happened. I later came to terms um, with my idolatry towards him. And I repented of that and I made it right. And I eventually did call him and and set that straight with him a, a year after that happened. But he still made it clear that uh, and he he too confessed to his part in and in everything that happened and and uh, asked for my forgiveness for that. But he still made it clear that he was not going to have time to devote to our friendship anymore. And so I could tell that he was still brainwashed, unfortunately. So I just had to let him go um and so yes that is the deepest pain that a type two can feel um especially when it's only one person that you feel like you've been that intimate with like it was in my case
1: yeah man thanks for sharing that and i'm sure the loss of friendship in our community is a very common theme and so i hope you know that I don't know if you've heard Wes, but you were not alone. Um, Mm -hmm. and so thank you for sharing that. And just, um, I know, especially for a two, because as you know, I was joking about it, but it's, it's just so true. It's wired into the two that others are such a focus. That's not to say the other eight types don't care about other people, but, um, but I've noticed from the twos in my life and I've had a good number of them. Shout out to all you lovely people who are listening. There's a lot of you. Um, they care a lot, and it's it can be a beautiful thing, and it can also be, I imagine, a devastating thing when it's not reciprocated or when it's when it's lost in situations like that. So I appreciate the vulnerability, and um, I know there are a lot of people out there resonating with with that unfortunate part of life with losing losing friends. Um, someone else wanted to get to some other ones. Someone else said this. I think for me. I would add needed to my core motivators. Feeling as though I'm a vital part of a group or friendship goes a long way towards helping me to feel loved but I would say that the level of love and appreciation I'm receiving from others is the major factor in my decision-making processes. I've stayed at the same church, job, apartment, and city for years because of the relationships that I have there. Even when I feel like moving on to something else, I put other people's needs and feelings before my own, which isn't all bad. I tend to avoid and run for problems. So my two side keeps me from giving up when I should really be. Digging in, and we'll dive more into security. Um, spoiler alert: when we get there, in, in you know a half hour or so. But, um, but that's that is the essence of a two in security is learning that self care is not a bad thing, and having needs and making decisions for yourself um, is a good thing.
0: Absolutely, um, it, it can get to a point where you just forget to do the basic self care routines um, for yourself, um, just all an attempt to get that love and affection aimed back at you. Um, and I know in my life it's, it's manifested as just having a full schedule all the time. I would, um, I would stay busy from dawn to dusk, uh, trying to leave as little, little time, um, you know, uh, for sleep or, you know, ba- or, you know, eating or basic things like that. Um, well, that's kind of a lie. I always make time to eat. <laughs> I love yeah. food too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would just overpack my schedule to a point where I could honestly, uh, reflecting back on it now, I wasn't able to give a hundred percent of my full attention and full intentionality. Um to a certain thing. It was always, you know, 25% here, 50% here, you know, uh 75% here. So you know, as as I say down here in the south, you had your hand in too many pies. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's so true. Gotta take time. Gotta take time for yourself. We'll get to that in security, but nice, nice foreshadowing. I love this comment. This one is so like such a great visual and I felt it. I, I truly felt this comment. Um, this yabber said, I love to love people. I love serving people, affirming qualities in people that maybe others don't notice and knowing their dreams and fears. I love mentoring people and helping them work through their struggles. I don't know about most people, but I tend to prefer flesh and blood to that, which I cannot see when someone who knows me deeply simply says, I love you and wraps me in a warm embrace. I feel like the world melts away that i'm mm-hmm. truly seen, known and loved. So by extension, part of me desires this level of being loved by another man as much as i want to rest completely in the truths of God's word to me. Oftentimes i yearn much more for that flesh and blood hug and that audible i love you. I suppose the challenge for me is to accept these flesh and blood placations of my fears for what they are, blessings yet temporary shadows of the truest love that's ever been out that's out there for me, a love more true and more real than anything I can see or feel or hear. You see, you guys, this is the kind of language we're getting now that we've entered into the heart (sighs) triad. You don't get this with the eight and nine and the one. None that they can't love people to, but this is, that was such a two comment. It was like the twoiest, one of the twoiest comments. I'm making up words as we go, but one of the twoiest comments I read on this entire um, feedback form. So thank you to that, Yabber, for... (laughs) Uh, For contributing. I, I got wrapped up in the story. Be still my soul. <laughs> I know I, I right? know this
0: Yobber. And I, I just want to say I love you so much.
1: Um, just, <laughs> oh, there's so uh, much love in the room. You guys, can you feel it? Can you feel it oozing out of your earbuds right now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not that we're doing it wrong. <laughs> mm. I was reading a wonderful article that one of our other Yobbers posted in the Discord the other day. And the title of it was, I believe it was something along the lines of you need more than God. And just that statement alone without any context around it will have others in the church yelling blasphemy. And in fact, I would label that blasphemy at one point in my life. And this article really helps get things into perspective for me in that we as humans are very unique creatures um, one that we're the only ones called made in his image, but also because we are in a unique position where, yes, we need God's constant presence. We need his constant influence, uh, in our lives in order to make it, but we also need other people. And God and, uh, God cannot, um, in, in this time of post Resurrection cannot come down again, um, you know, to give us hugs or to audibly say, I love you to us. And so he gives that commission to the other people in our lives. He allows us to see Christ in through the lives of other people, through the loves, through the, I, through the hugs, through the I love yous, through the affirmations. And that is okay. And I was able to verbally affirm that to myself just recently. And it really did uh, just bring me the greatest sense of freedom in my heart that, you know, I can't just say anymore, oh, well, I have no intimate friends around me. I have no opportunities for deep relationships. I'm just going to have to keep praying and studying my Bible and, you know, hope that that's enough. The truth is, is it's not. I still need the hugs. I still need the I love you's. I still uh, need the midnight conversations under the stars. I need it all. And we, we are just very unique people, very unique part of creation for having those two needs that cannot be replaced by the other. Um, And so that, that was just so eye opening to me. And I really think that's what this writer is getting at here. He needs both and we all need both.
1: Yeah. Very well said. Um, And twos have so much to offer and uh, have so much to offer as the, the cliche goes, or as it goes in scripture to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like there is a physical manifestation that I have witnessed and, and appreciated in twos in my life, dear, dear people in my life. Um, I wanna make a segue to fears, and this was a good comment that we got from um, answering about motivations. He was saying that um, as a two, I do try to encourage others a lot with words and with touch, but at the same time, especially with the touch portion, I have to admit, that it can be self-serving. And this is a great bridge mm-hmm. to the fear of the any Enne- or the enneagram 2's deepest fear, which is 2's fear of being alone and unloved and they cope with this fear by taking care of others and making themselves central to other people's lives. Um and I'm just gonna call it what it is. I'm just gonna be straight and blunt with everybody. Like I call that manipulation, like if a way that you can insert yourself into somebody else's life. And touch is one way that that can happen. And I've heard that mm-hmm. story and I've actually experienced that myself. And again, I'm not gonna share my side of the story as, as someone who isn't a two, but um, but I've experienced that two manipulation. And um, and we didn't mention at the top, but the root vice or the the primary passion of the two is pride. Um, mm. which is very, it's a, that's a, that's a, I mean, all of the vices are not great and are not fun, but pride is such a blinding one because I think the there's a quote out there. Gosh, I don't know who it is or if it was like CS Lewis or, or who it was, but there's a quote about pride that essentially says something to the effect of that. It's one of the worst sins because you don't even know you're committing it. It's like, you're mm. blind to your sense of Ownership and control, and whatever the situation, whatever the problem is, and so um, as pride maybe enters into the conversation, feel free if if stories of pride come up, or maybe you don't realize you have pride, West. Maybe you are innocent, <laughs> but, but in relationship front. with others, in relationship with others, um, yeah, this is an interesting one with uh, with the biggest fear of needing to just like be central in somebody's life. Um, let me read this comment, and then we'll go to you, Wes. Someone said this, I think that pretty much sums it up. I struggle with depressive episodes and the common theme in all of them is that I am alone and unloved by everyone in my life. Some of the lowest points in my life are when I felt inherently alone and unable to be loved for who I was. When i was much unhealthier unhealthier emotionally in the past that led to me being very clingy and over committed as if by being constantly helpful i could quote unquote earn love that was why i only had female friends for a long time because i was better able to meet their needs and help them emotionally and so i there felt closer to them than any of the men in my life even though none of them knew and loved the real me only the selfless and servile face that i put forward And the thought of coming out to anyone was just unthinkable. To be rejected by my friends and family for something I couldn't change was the worst possible outcome. Worse than losing my job or getting kicked out of my church. My relationship with God has also been impacted by that fear, and I constantly have to fight against the lie that he loves me only because of what I do for him. My biggest struggle isn't the fear that I'm truly saved or that I'm not a good enough person. It's the fear that God merely tolerates me rather than truly loves me and this is really good i mean there's a lot in there but something i wanted to focus on was the relationship with god because jesse touched on it a little bit as a one um and i think there's a little bit of a crossover there like how each of the types relates with god is very fascinating to me not only as a believer but obviously as someone who loves the enneagram um, mm-hmm. but this need to for the one the need to clean up and to be presentable and orderly um, and particularly in the realm of sexuality that opens up a whole can of worms, but, but then for the two to, do you resonate with that statement that you, do you ever wonder if you're just tolerable in God's eyes versus, um, just like madly in love with you that he created you and made you exactly the way that you are.
0: Mm-hmm. First of all, I know this yabber too. I was just FaceTiming with him the other day and I think of I love him did. more. <laughs> Sorry, the first Yawber. I love this one more. Uh- <laughs> No, I love everyone equally. Um, But yeah, I noticed this kind of unhealthy pride developing in me from a very, very early age. Um, I had so much pride in the type of church that I grew up in that was just conservative and evangelical and stood its ground. And I would frequently try to engage my friends at school uh, in theological debates. And usually it started something off start off with something like, do you know why my church is the one doing everything the right way? You know, wonderful way to kick off the conversation. Um, but I'm a fourth generation Christian. My great grandparents worshiped at the church that I was raised in. So we had deep roots there. Uh, my mom's dad was a gospel preacher for 50 years. My dad's dad was an elder for almost as long. Um, so they knew the Bible better than anyone else I knew. And somehow that legacy, that influence, uh, in my mind, it made me who I was. It was almost as if I could claim their accomplishments, their righteousness as my own. It was prideful. And the running narrative I had whenever someone older than me said something about, you know, all the gays, you know, if they if they ever got mentioned, I was thinking, oh, I'm... I'm a Christian in every sense of the word. That kind of thing could never happen to me. Those kind of things never happen to Christians anyway. You know, how could it? Well, the the story tells itself from there. (laughs) Yes, I had to struggle so much with that idea that God only tolerates me. That he is only using me to further his, um, further his kingdom, further his uh, will, which to me sounded manipulative. Um, and so, you know, in my relationship with God in the past, I would say, oh, God has put this thorn in my flesh. So that means I can, I can uh, do whatever I want as compensation for my suffering. And, and that is just utter foolishness. I remember having a breakdown slash breakthrough a few years ago, when I was dating my girlfriend at the time, I forget now what led up to it, but I asked myself one day, I said, Wes, who ever told you that Jehovah needs you? Who taught you that? Who taught you that Jehovah God, the I Am, needs you? And to be honest, I still haven't done the internal work that would be necessary in order to find that answer. But nevertheless, when I realized that Jehovah did not need me to keep his kingdom running, and he did not need me to accomplish his will, I broke down in tears. And they were tears of both regret that I had spent most of my life believing that, but they were also tears of relief because. Even though God did not need me in his kingdom, he would still happily put me to work should I choose to abide in his kingdom. Nothing in the heavenly realm depends on me. God does not love me for the things that I can do for him. There's nothing (laughs) I can do for Jehovah God. He loves me simply because he made me in his image. And because he wants me in his presence forever. And I think that's something that every two has to come term, to terms with, if they're going to move to a healthier state of mind yeah. and, and
1: experience that true freedom. Thanks for sharing that. And I hope, yeah, I hope other twos listening and non twos for that matter, um, find a lot of resonance in, in those words. Um, let me read off a couple more and then we'll move on to stress and security. Um, but a couple other aspects of the fear that I wanted to touch on. Someone said this, as a result of being a two and having these desires and fears, I know that I've really struggled with accepting a healthy outlook with a side B theology because it feels like I'll never fulfill my desire to be truly and unconditionally loved by another. I have a deep desire to be someone's chosen number one. And I haven't really experienced that. Most of my best friends have been girls who have another girl as their best friend. I've never been able to connect with a guy in a way that makes me feel like their best friend. Without a romantic relationship, it feels like I'll never have that desire to be loved fulfilled. So part of this journey for me has been trying to change my perception of what it looks like to be loved, still learning. Um, Someone else said, being a two almost makes me feel guilty because I can resonate with the notion that being single and living alone makes me feel more needy and more prone to inserting myself into others' lives, even if it gets to the point of being more forceful and even manipulative. I don't think that this honors God, so I do desire to find a way to initiate with others in a way that does honor the Lord and is honoring to them. Um, And then lastly, Someone said, I laughed when I first read about the two's deepest fear. I thought, doesn't everyone fear being alone, abandoned, unneeded, and worse, unwanted? How am I any different? (laughs) But boy, are we twos different. If I sense a lack of care or abandonment from a male friend, straight or gay, I'm compelled to examine what went wrong, how I failed him, how I can make it right and invest a ton of energy into restoring the relationship I fear I'm losing. I've noticed that I don't invest nearly that much energy in female friendships. I'm quite content letting go of the women who let go of me it still stings i still grieve but not nearly as deeply or for as long i find it fascinating that other personality types can seemingly bounce back so easily from dissolving relationships and you shared a little bit about that earlier so we don't need to mm-hmm. To repeat it, but I just as I was reading, I can see out of the corner of my eye, out of my periphery, that you're just nodding your head as I read all of these comments. So, so I know, I know that these uh, <laughs> uh-huh. elements of these stories. I feel like we could probably sit here and talk for hours, but we need to to keep moving into the land of stress. Which it's always interesting when all of these types move into places of stress and they adopt qualities of other types because the move for two is going to eight the challenger, which harkens back to our conversation with Matthew. The deeper we go into the series, there'll be more like noticeable, Um, like if you've been listening to all these episodes, you'll be able to make connections like, oh, so Wes kind of becomes like a negative Matthew if we're just going to start using, if we're going to start putting people in boxes, which I don't (laughs) recommend putting people in boxes, but elements of the dark side of eight is kind of where two goes in times of stress. And um, here's what enneagramgift.com has to say about that. During periods of stress, twos will take on qualities of type eights. This quality will make them more demanding, manipulative, and controlling. They will begin to shift the blame for the situation to others around them. They may also go through the past and point out previous wrongs made in the past. Um, So how does that land with you as a type two during your more stressful times?
0: Mm -hmm. I could really see uh, how me and my friend's fiance at the time were just butting heads as mm. as two twos. said. she uh, it was it was crazy how unhealthy she was acting, being manipulative and controlling and demanding of him. But then again, I had a lot of expectations of them too. Um, and I expected them to subscribe. To my view of friendship, you know, bringing all the baggage that I brought to the concept. Um, But, you know, then to being straight as boards and, you know, just head over heels for each other. um, it, It was easy to see how both of our unhealthiness was just causing this whole situation to boil over and cause a big grease fire
1: um when you have two i mean when you have two unhealthy people regardless of the stressful situation it it can be a grease fire but especially i can imagine in my head what it would look like for two twos who are in a stressful situation with one another like how that could be just emotionally uh like a wildfire like a grease fire i think is a very visceral like vicious metaphor mm -hmm. and so i appreciate your use of that the (laughs) storyteller in you is coming out very clearly so thank you for for painting it that could just for us. be that we
0: deep fry everything down here in Texas that's why I <laughs> like
1: you already fire. mentioned <laughs> deep fried grease fire you mentioned pies earlier so this is a very yummy this is a very um worthy podcast. Um, Let's read some comments about stress. Someone said this, I learned a lot about this tendency of being controlling of others can be harmful through a friendship I used to have with a guy a few years ago. I caused harm not only to this guy, but a number of others around him. I tried to justify it because of things that happened to me when I was younger that I felt influenced my behavior. But ultimately, I came to the realization that I am ultimately responsible for my actions and must make sure that I'm always treating others in a way that honors god. And that's a great comment because it shows the the nature of stress of of making excuses or looking to the past as like a reason for be, present behavior. Um, but also the ownership of that of um of yeah, recognizing escaping that the the pride, the vice that we that we've mentioned for the two is is recognizing one's role in that. So I really appreciated the vulnerability in that comment of somebody who um, shared both aspects of um of this stress. Mm. Someone said this, reading one author's account of my stress path made me feel known and loved. I truly hate... When I become irritable dominating or past blame the stress reactions bubble up when I feel like I've been providing for those I love the most for days or weeks on end and they haven't taken a moment to ask how my day has been going or ask how they can help prepare dinner or something yes. seemingly insignificant like that to mm-hmm. too these acts of love and service are huge it says we are worth loving too instead of endlessly giving to others like a Santa Claus of love and service 365 <laughs> days a year this is such a personal downfall for me and coming to terms with my sexuality. Um, that is a great line. I just was like, I need to read that comment because the Santa Claus 365 days a year, what a great, I guess Santa Claus must be a two for him to do what he does. Bless, bless that we'll man. See what else it could be. <laughs> Who, what other type could do, Could be Santa Claus than a type two? Yeah, that's that was a great one. Let us know in the right. comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't no, ain't no four out there going to be Santa Claus, that's for sure. I'll speak for my for my <laughs> tribe. Um, but feeling that love in return, feeling that reciprocated, I know that that's, that's a huge deal for twos. And we'll get to loving a two at the end of our conversation, which we're getting there. But... Um, but that was that was a great comment. And then lastly for stress, um, someone said this, I feel deep stress when I have a serious conflict with a close male friend, and I'm tempted to get desperate and do whatever it takes to regain his love. Sometimes I've resorted to yelling and foul language to make him see how much he has hurt me undeservedly, to guilt him into showing me love. And that is just evil And I fight that temptation. A more common issue with me is that under stress, I will calmly, quietly work as hard as I can, like a determined Enneagram 8, to make myself so helpful to my friend that I am indispensable. And he knows that that he will never find anyone else so loyal and helpful as I am. That is actually effective, but manipulative, because I'm selfishly trying to get what I need out of a man. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like... It's so interesting to read all of the feedback, because it is so, it keeps coming back again and again, it's so others oriented. Um. You know, it's interesting, like some of our previous conversations were focusing sometimes more so on sexuality or masculinity. Um, but the way I broke it up was sexuality, masculinity, and how you relate with other men. And I feel like the bulk of this conversation, I don't want to, you know, if Wes, if something comes to mind about your sexuality or about masculinity that you want to chime in, feel free. But I feel like a big theme as I read all the comments is that it's so focused on relationships. And that seems to be at the heart of of the two, both in their times of stress and in their times of security, as we'll see in a second.
0: Exactly. If we do not have that core group of relationships that are keeping us grounded, it, it, everything else simply does not matter. We could live in the worst city in the, in the nation. We could work the worst job you could ever imagine. But if we come home every day to people that deeply know us and deeply love us, That makes every single minute of everything else worth it. And yeah, if you mess with the people that we love or if you hurt us that badly, our first instinct in our gut is to appear as a giant (laughs) fireball in the middle of your living room. Cloak, black hat, green skin, ready to off you because you stole our sister's ruby slippers. So man we have to
1: I was trying to figure out what image are you painting? Green skin? Like what? Oh okay, I get it now. That was a Wizard, Wizard of, Oz of Oz reference for those who yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. You referenced Wizard of Oz, you referenced Disney, um and I had the image of like a mama bear almost like that that moved to eight, this kind of this yes. like this like yes. sense of I don't know, just a domineering overprotective presence. But a two in security, um, this is fun for me because you come to my side, Wes. Twos in security go to four, which is the individualist or the romantic. And what that means is this, during periods of growth and security, twos will take on qualities of fours. This attribute will allow twos to realize that self-care is good and not an act of selfishness. As they love themselves, they will know it is not required to pretend to love everyone around them. Um, And I'll obviously have much more to say during the four episode when that rolls around. So I don't want to share here Um, and we're running out of time, but I I just love it when twos take time for themselves. Like that is such a a beautiful thing because they do so much for other people and for them to take care of themselves, to turn off their phone or to um, to book the massage or to, to go to the spa or to work out or to cook a meal for themselves where no one else is attending. Like, I think that's just a beautiful thing when a two is in that, in that space.
0: It is. Although part of me despises going out to a restaurant and getting a table all by myself. It's just, uh, that will never not be awkward to me,
1: but, uh, see, I, I love that. (laughs) <laughs> embrace, <You would. laughs> embrace, embrace the solitude, embrace being by yourself. Like that's, and that's not necessarily easy for me, but I recognize it probably comes easier um, to someone like me compared to, especially compared to someone like you or compared to other two. So um, it's yeah. important. It's important to have time to yourself. And that's, that's, that's definitely a point of, of growth for you guys.
0: I really resonate with what that author said, of, you know, that state of mind that says, I have to pretend. That I love everyone around me mm-hmm. um, even though I can't see our relationship growing into what I would want it to be you know I I see this dynamic happening with my parents my grandparents aunts uncles cousins they all live here uh, in the beautiful mountain of Texas with me um, but I wouldn't but I wouldn't say that I don't love them I definitely do because they have been a constant presence for the entirety of my life, but we haven't been as involved, quote unquote, uh, in each in each other's lives at the level that would register in my mind as being fully known and fully loved. Uh, if that makes sense, they all just kind of, you know, go. They're all doing their own thing. They all have their own little families to take care of. Um, you know, being fully known and fully loved, that title's reserved to those select few that I've come out to, if we're talking about, you know, how our sexuality works with this, Um, which unsurprisingly is mostly friends who were all straight. (laughs) Um, But once they were able to affirm my struggle and commend me, you know, for keeping my allegiance to God and to his commands for my life, that's when I was able to manifest the full authentic Wes with them. but I know the truth of the matter is, if someone's opinion of me as a result of my sexuality is negative, I should not let that inhibit my growth as a person, as a Christian, as a son, as a friend. And uh, and so I've just been able to establish healthier boundaries for myself yeah. ever since I realized that.
1: I imagine you mentioned coming out like. I think we all we all need in our lives we need somebody to talk to even if it is just a therapist or a pastor or somebody you know hopefully we have friends or family in our lives that we can talk about this aspect of ourselves um but i imagine that for the 2 and probably for 3s and 4s and and other types that um as we dive into the relational aspect of the enneagram like i imagine that's like a big deal when you talk about belonging and you feel like mattering to somebody like that's obviously a big part a big chunk of your identity and who you are and so that's that would be very vital to um, for the people that are on your inner circle to be aware of that in your life. And so that's, um, something that I'm sure has huge appeal to, uh, lots of, lots of people listening, not just the twos, but especially, especially as I know the twos to be, um, inherently relational, um, people and others focus, like having that aspect of yourself to be known is, is a big deal. Um, a couple comments and we'll move to how to love a one or how to love a two rather. Um, Someone said this, all this loving, giving, serving, and encouraging other guys can be exhausting. I sometimes find myself in need of rest and recreation. When I am secure in love, I can relax when I need to and just appreciate the inner and outer beauty of the people around me and of God's creation. Um, that was beautiful very nice Mm -hmm. and then someone else said this my seasons of security are freaking awesome yes he said (laughs) freaking it looks like being in the word every morning reading a growth focused book taking a walk whenever I desire and saying no thank you To the requests of others when necessary, without being nervous that they'll think less of me or worse, become unloving. In these seasons, I'm extremely confident in not only who I am, but also who I was and who I'm becoming. I don't fear others learning about my past mistakes because I'm focused forward, remaining confident in my current friendships while serving new ones with much heart and soul. It also means being open about my sexuality, what I've learned from it, and who Christ is calling me to be through it. Just writing about these moments of balance has brought a huge smile to my face, which encourages me because by him taking the time to give feedback, it was a very two-ish thing to do, thinking about the community and thinking about this episode, but it also helped him stop and like it was like a journal entry. I got the vibe where he was able to do all of this self-processing and that it blessed him to do that. So that, that made me smile because that was, again, such a two- such a two comment.
0: <laughs> so you go, it. girl.
1: That's all I got to go, say to girl. that. Like, <laughs> you go, Glenn Coco. You,
0: you are embodying what I, the state of being that I am uh, striving for right now. So I mm. am looking up to you, fellow yabber. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah. And I know it's easier easier said than done whenever we talk about growth and security, like, oh, just do this and you'll be happy and secure. Like that is a journey, of course, but it's beautiful when you get to experience that and when you get to grow um, as, as these twos have shared. So thank you to all the twos who have shared. If you have a two mm-hmm. in your life, for anyone listening, if you are a two, if you know a two, um, if you're in our community, you certainly know a two. You have... Unless you're living under a rock, and even then, there's probably a two under there. So watch out. Um, Watch out. Under the rock, there's a two. Um, But here's what you do if you love a two. And so, Wes, you can chime in if any of these sound particularly appealing in your life, or if you can think of any others of ways that we can love you. Um, Mm -hmm. If you love a two, remind them to use their thought life to guide them into a time of quiet each morning so they can prioritize their day with what is truly needed versus what seems to be needed. Remind them not to let their feelings be their only guide as they invite these thoughts in, and encourage them to take care of themselves, including mental and physical self-care. Remind them to revisit the past for cues and look to the future for their plans. Make active plans and learn from the past and let go more instead of manipulating. Remember that twos feel that in order to receive love, they must be giving. It isn't out of cruelty, but a desire to genuinely find love. Encourage your two and their chosen love language, not just yours, and try to help them feel safe by regularly assuring them that they are the most special person in your heart, especially if you happen to be someone who does not show it outwardly all the time.
0: Mm. Uh, wow, <laughs> I feel so loved just from you reading that. Mm. Um, yes, the only I guess the only thing I could add to that because it was so good um. Don't assume that we are okay. Don't assume that we're in a healthy headspace just because that we took the time to come be around you. Um, And don't assume that we are too busy either, you know, to, um, for you to do something special for us. Um, You know, we will always gladly uh, open up with you if you ask us about, our mental health or physical health or, um, you know, um, and just if it looks like we're just too busy doing our own thing, trust us. We're not, we're just filling our, our lives with work to try to seem meaningful. Okay. You, you know, read, reach out to us, make sure that we're actually doing okay, <laughs> that, that we're in a, we're in a good, healthy headspace.
1: I imagine, especially since, you know, This conversation is, you know, in our YAB community and a lot of men in our community love words of affirmation, love physical touch. It goes back to that comment at the beginning where someone just like swells in love when someone says I love you or gives you a nice hug. Like um, if you're not normally someone who projects, if you're somebody that keeps those feelings inside, you don't say the words I love you often or you don't hug people or you don't whatever which I know that's a, that's gotta be a rare breed in our community. There are some, there are some people who aren't into hugs and that's, that's totally fine. This isn't a shaming tactic, but, hmm. but I would say for a twos, if you have a two in your life, like I think particularly for twos in our community, like that is a, a a very meaningful and a simple gesture of just, um, obviously not lying, you know, saying, I love you if, if you mean it. And then, um, you know, whether it's a hug or a shoulder tap or, or whatever the the physical touch looks like, like I think I think that's just a very simple gesture to to outwardly reaffirm the two in your life that you're there and that you and that you care,
0: without sounding too creepy. Please touch me. <laughs>
1: You know, I'm always on the search for titles of the episodes, Wes. That could be the title of the episode. We'll yes. see. We'll, see. Well, well, I have lots of options from all the food metaphors and grease fires and all the things that you that you put out there. So well, I have my pick of title options. <laughs> Wes, this was great. Thank you for coming on, for sharing some of your heart, sharing some stories, and for all of Yobbers gave some incredible feedback. I didn't get to read them all, but... Um, but it was just really beautiful to get a snapshot of all the twos in our community because there's so many of y'all um, and you, you're you so much of the lifeblood of this community. Like we would be nothing without the twos. <laughs> like our numbers would literally be dwindled so severely And but beyond the numbers, like you provide so much um, whether it's someone who will, who will wipe down chairs at a retreat or come onto a podcast for the first time or um, just all the help and all the, all the love that you give to our community, I'm grateful. So thank you, Wes.
0: Um, You're too kind, and I cannot tell you what you and this um, group has come to mean to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine my life where I would be right now if I hadn't found y'all. And uh, it just means the world to me that y'all would want to be a part of my life and allow me to be a part of yours. Um, So I am a better person for it, and I hope that uh, y'all can grow from me somehow as well.
1: I'm certain they will. Yeah. Thank you for just being so bold and so real to come on. And we're all blessing one another. So I'm glad that we could be there for you. And you're you're certainly there for us. So thank you. Thank you, us. It's really exciting to transition because next week, everybody, we're going from maybe the most frequent type in our community to possibly the least frequent type, the Enneagram 3, the Achiever. So it'll be really fun because there's not many people to choose from in our community. And it this was one of the more stressful episodes to plan of wondering, gosh, is there a three? Am I gonna have to like search high and low for a three? But thankfully I was able to find one and I'm excited for this conversation next week with the three in our community. It's not a large portion of our community, but they're people too. And I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to learn from, from the three, the other, um, the other extreme of our community, but staying in the heart triad. So I'm really excited to see what manifests in that regard. So stay tuned for that. Um, Wes, this was lovely. Have a lovely rest of your night from, what was it? The beautiful mountain? The beautiful mountain of Texas. That's flat (laughs) as can be. (laughs) The beautiful mountain of Texas. Go treat yourself to a nice meal or a nice dessert or something. You did a good job on this episode. And until we cast our next convo, our next Enneak convo, see y'all next time. Bye.